Hello, and welcome to Standing in the Stream, a podcast for and about creative people. I'm your host, John Lane. P.J. Evans is an actor, writer, and director based in L.A. P.J. has appeared on stage in films and television. His most recent credits as an actor are three short films, Code L.A., Pray for Us, and Fits. He has 21 writing and 15 directing credits on IMDb, including a number of short films and television episodes. PJ, welcome to the show. Uh, thank you, John. Thank you for having me on. Absolutely. Um, so the other thing that I, I didn't mention in the intro was that uh, we go way back. Uh, we knew each other in high school and uh, got connected a few years ago through Facebook, and uh, so I've been able to kind of keep up with what you've been up to, and, and you've had all kinds of interesting creative adventures, and I can't wait to uh, sort of fill in the uh, fill in the gaps. But um, I sent this to you in an email, and I want to just say it publicly here because there was something that uh, I was talking to a friend of mine the other day about this uh, and t- saying that I was having, you know, an old classmate of mine on from high school on the show, and... Uh, Anyway, I wanted to tell you this, is that there you were in a play. This was in high school. You were in a play. I don't remember what the play was, <laughs> but I remember <laughs> uh, you and I remember Jacqueline Ritchie, and I remember going and sitting in the end. I think it was the first, I don't know if you had multiple showings, but I remember it was kind of like opening night. It was a big event. Anyway, and I'd known you as a, a drummer and percussionist in, in band, but I'd never seen you act before. And I have to just say, it was the first time that I'd ever seen anyone that I know completely disappear and be replaced by a different person, you know? And uh, I mean, you see that all the time, like on movies and on television, but I don't know those people, you know? And so it was so <laughs> cool to see people that I knew, and especially you, just totally disappear into those um, those characters. So anyway, I never, I don't think I ever told you that or articulated that before. So I wanted to tell you that and say, thank you. That was, that was awesome. And it was so cool to see you doing, uh, doing so well at that. Oh, wow. Thank you, man. It, it really means a lot. So, as I said, you've, you've had a pretty adventurous creative life, uh, so far, including all the stuff I mentioned in the intro, the acting, the, the writing, some directing, but you also had a little stint as a punk rock musician. So um, let's let's fill in a little bit of background, and you can you can pick up wherever you'd like. I mean, you would like. Uh, I think we haven't spoken probably since high school, so that might be a good point for me <laughs> to sort of fill in what you've been up to. But yeah, wherever you want to go with that is is fine. Yeah, I think like uh, uh, like after. After I graduated, I was uh, kind of eyeing out, uh, graduate high school, I was kind of eyeing out like what kind of direction that I uh, was really kind of looking and uh, going in. And I really, uh, like, the entire reason why I got in, in, uh, involved in theater back in high school is uh, in eighth grade, we... Um, like uh, we took some tests that were like uh, uh, like some tests that were scored by some psychologist or something. And they would come in, and they would go, "Oh, you're really good at this. You need to do this with your life. You you're not really good at this kind of stuff, and you need you should stay away from this." And this, uh, I got my test scored, and the uh, the psychologist came up and said, uh, you, "You're really good at like uh, uh, you're going to be really good at with these new computers and all this kind of stuff, and you really uh, should stay away from doing." specifically theater and anything performance based <laughs> and something about that really 
I was always a, a kind of a guy that always uh, kind of rocked the boat, and I'm like, uh, yeah, I really had to I, uh, the uh, kind of the mindset of, well, well, that's what he thinks, so I'm gonna <laughs> show him. So the next year, I signed up for theater in high school and went through that. I mean, it, it is high school theater, but I felt like I had enough uh, enjoyment with it that I was looking forward to kind of getting deeper into what it was. Like you learn theater in high school is more of uh, kind of dipping your feet in. And at the end of that, like you kind of gauge whether or not it's something that you really want to like jump in, like off the high board into. I sent off some applications to uh, some theaters, uh, some uh, larger schools around the nation, but I actually ended up at uh, Tarleton, which is the local um, college in, in Stephenville. Um, and uh, what that when it transpired for the next five years is I was not so much a uh, college student whatsoever. I was more of a, uh, like a, a company member in a very highly regarded, uh, what I found out to be a very highly regarded theater company, uh, in this little tiny, like in our hometown. I did that for years. It, it was fantastic. Uh, I absolutely would not do anything to replace those years. So I would work in the scene shop every uh, every year. And uh, during the summers, like I'd always, I would always have some sort of uh, like a summer job, either doing like fast food or like you run around town and you just kind of get whatever it is that you want. My last summer in, in Stephenville, I remember I, uh, I think it was Washington Street. And I was driving down Washington Street going back home and I uh, needed to get in another summer job. And like uh, there's a Dairy Queen out there and the Dairy Queen had a – uh, like the the billboard, like the like the post-it thing that you can post up like your own like letter at a time. Right. And it had a like a manager wanted inquire within. So I go in there, and I said, uh, "Hey, I need a job. Like uh, I'm interested in a manager position." And they just looked at me and go, "Oh, <clears throat> oh yeah, we uh we filled that like two weeks ago, but we haven't you know, gone out there and changed it yet." And something about hearing that from them, uh, I decided I was going to move. So I moved to Austin th- that next day. And I went down to Austin. I got involved in the theater uh, down in Austin. Um, uh, I started after doing theater for in Austin for about two, three years. I started getting involved in films, started doing a lot of film stuff. And then that's where the band happened. Okay, so that you got the band together in, and that's One Eye Doll is the band that you're yes. talking about. Well, yeah. it, it, the band was something that I kind of accidentally happened. Like I, I was uh, heavily involved in uh, Nightlife. Uh, uh, oh, in, yeah. Or kind of around at the time, and um, what happened? Uh, I started going downtown, and I really like Austin is very much like a live music uh, kind of like the live music capital of the world. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But I, like right. went out to go see a whole lot of live music while uh, while I lived there at the beginning, and I was hanging out with some people, and they said, "Hey, we're, we're going to go down to Red River Street, which is a lot of the independent music in Austin at the time. Not sure what it is now." And we just happened to like walk by this uh, uh, this bar, and um, it, it said "Ghetto Princess" outside. Well, and uh, we I, we all kind of looked at each other, and go, "Well, this sounds interesting." So we walked inside, and this girl and a drummer were up on stage, and uh, there was uh, three cardboard cutouts. And for the next like hour, she did nothing but spit on them and kick and like uh, sidekick them and throw them off the stage and run people over, and it, uh, like we were mesmerized. <laughs> So I started going to a lot of to a lot of their shows and I got really uh, became really good friends uh, with both of them, uh, like on and offset. And um, like, you know, times change and things happen. Uh, uh, The drummer at the time ended up going with another band and they moved to Sacramento. Uh, She got another drummer. Then I was more like their full time roadie. 
that was for like a year. And then uh, he ended up leaving and she came back to me and said, uh, I don't know what to do. I have to get out of my practice space and I have all this gear. Do you have any idea what I can do with it? And I literally told her, I said, hey, uh, I have a drum set I haven't used in since I was 15 and I have a DJ set. Uh, like, I'd be happy to cut the rent on a, a rehearsal space for you. Listen, I have no interest in being in a band. I have, uh, uh, like, I'm, I'm never going to have anyone in there. So you don't have to worry about, you know, uh, like, strangers and stuff. We get a place. We bring all of our stuff together. And uh, I remember I just finished setting up my uh, my trap set. And she, like, opened up the door and she just kind of bounced in. She goes, hey, do you want to jam? And I said, yeah, uh, that's cool. Okay, I've never really done that. And we uh, ended up playing together until that was like 8 uh, p.m. And we ended up playing like uh, until the sun came up. Wow. And we talked in the morning uh, outside, like uh, while the sun is coming up. And she said, you know, if you're if this is something that you think you might be interested in, I'd be interested in having you uh, be a part of this. And then I was like that day for like the next like five years. I was part of the band. Wow. Amazing. Amazing. Um, well, I want to I want to backtrack just a little bit. I definitely want to hear about the the uh, the punk rock uh, days. I definitely want to hear about that. But there is something that you mentioned, the nightlife show, and yeah. I think that was the thing that um, where I, I I think I've reconnected with you maybe around maybe it was like 2010 or something like that. I don't know when it was, but it was right around the time that this nightlife thing was happening and that you were posting about it maybe on Facebook or something. And and yeah. so I, I clicked on it and it's awesome. People should know about this show. And what's was it just a one-time thing? Nothing has ever come of this uh, show since then? Or is it going to be, you know, is this was that it? That was its run? Yeah, so Actually, it was uh, filmed as a uh, so the premise of, of, of the whole uh, setup was me and a group of kind of like basement dwelling like D and D nerds decide that we want to be vampire hunters and then we uh, uh, like we come across actual uh, vampires uh, who are more not so much as a vampire like romantic esque type of vampires more of like like it follows their, their trials and tribulations of like work and like paying the rent and taxes and. Uh, and it's a, a mockumentary. It was filmed as a feature and uh, uh, cut together. And a lot of the guy uh, uh, and the uh, producers decided that it might fare better just as a as a web series. So okay. they recut the feature into a web series. I see. Okay. Well, this and it's still available on YouTube. People should uh, check this out. It's it's really hilarious, uh, PJ. I thought it was just fantastic. Oh, thank you, thank you. Vampires. Strangely enough, there have been few cases of anyone brave enough to combat this threat, let alone live to tell the tale. Of course, the typical vampire hunter of today is quite different than what their legend suggests. Where does City's last line of defense against the undead? To protect and serve. I, of course, started first, you know? I was, you know, I was kind of the cool one. We're talking about the, uh, uh, dude. D&D &D is a perfect vehicle to be able to sit down and train about what you're going to do in high-stress situations. Spot checks are for creatures, search checks are for traps. You know this. Is that why Andrew doesn't seem to trust you? Hmm? Because of your history? Because of my history? What? My warrants? Do you know about my warrants? The periscope monocle. So you can use this to identify any uh, possible targets and confirm that they are, in fact, vampires. What about Billy? Billy's one of those guys that you really need somebody that will just blindly do whatever you tell them to do. 
spill it. I'm just... Theirs is a life of dedication, danger, and even ridicule. These are the vampire hunters of today. It's a ride, it's an adventure, I tell you. Buckle your seatbelt. You're the winner, no compromise. You're the winner, your star is on the ride. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> so how many vampires have you seen? Dance with the devil in the danger zone. It's for real. The jackalope, that's not for real. But werebears, maybe. And so th that was it. It was just the one one-time um, feature that got cut up into a series, and and everybody sort of went their separate ways. Did you did you connect with any of the creative uh, people from that later on, or? Yeah. Uh, actually, uh, Corey, who plays uh, Har uh, uh, Harpo, the uh, uh, like the the head vampire that never really talks, uh, uh, the the shorter guy. When when I came out here to uh, Los Angeles, I, I posted like some stuff up. Like I'm next to the, you know, I, I my first day, everyone's first day in Los Angeles is like I'm gonna go hike to the sign. I'm gonna you know all that kind of stuff. I uh, posted some stuff up on Facebook, and uh, Corey emailed me back immediately and said, "Dude, are you out here in L.A.?" And I told him, "Oh yeah, yeah, I." Uh, uh, I live out here now. And he said, dude, I live right out here on the beach. We, we need to go and uh, meet up with each other. We met up the next day for coffee. And um, he was asking me like, what, what my plans. And when I came out here to Los Angeles, I didn't really have any plans of, of what direction I was going to be going at. I knew it was going to be artistic, but I didn't know whether I was going to get back in a band again, or whether I was going to keep doing music, or if I was going to get back into film, like what capacity, if I was going to get, uh, get back in acting. But when I uh, sat down and met with uh, Corey, uh, Corey was talking to me and he said, oh, man, uh, you really have to meet my acting coach, Alan. Like, I think that you guys would really hit it off. And I think that that might be like the thing that you need to be doing when you're out here. And that's where I met Alan, my my current acting coach. And I met him that, that following week. OK. And so and so you're still sort of studying and taking uh, acting classes there currently or. Yes. Yeah. OK, cool. So uh, let's let's go back then and, and pick up sort of where you left off there with the band. So you spent five years with this band, uh, which was then later called One-Eyed Doll. Is that right? That's correct. And, uh, 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 like, I had a great time with that. Like, really, really good years of my life. And, like, we did five, maybe six U.S. tours, just, like, being on the road and, uh, like, playing in, like, uh, from, like, little tiny bars to some stadiums to all over the place and it's absolutely some of like some of my favorite times i've had yeah uh, amazing after about five years we cut our and go our separate ways and then i was in austin kind of like and everyone by that point knew me as a, like a drummer musician and i was having a hard time to sort of redefine myself if uh -huh. that makes any sense no totally so so at this point i've been in austin for 13 years austin's great but it's a very small cities and if it's something that uh like it's like after about 13 years, like you, I really, I, I literally woke up on a Saturday and realized that I kind of done everything there yeah. and nothing was really kind of new and fresh. Mm -hmm. And I knew I just needed to move and out to bigger waters. I kind of thrive in a city where I can go out and get on a city bus and hear five different languages. I like that kind of environment. And 
I don't, you don't really get, get to experience that kind of thing in Austin. That's where I was going to move to New York, but I ended up in, in LA. I came out here to LA and I met up with, uh, started meeting, uh, meeting up with friends and getting situated out here. Yeah. So, so the move to LA was sort of about finding new challenges and new opportunities and maybe, uh, as you mentioned, kind of a reinvention. Would you say that's yeah, like more of like closing the old chapter and starting a new one? Yeah. Yeah. That sounds great. I mean, that sounds really healthy and, and good. So, um, so you get to Los Angeles and start establishing and, uh, finding work, uh, doing some acting, finding some acting gigs or doing theater or what, what did you do when you started, uh, when you first landed there in, in LA? I, I started like, uh, I really wanted to start tra- like, I, cause I knew like the caliber of, uh, training out here was uh, so starkly different than what I was used to in the past. Uh, that I wanted to sort of sit in some uh, like an acting class and kind of reestablish myself as an artist in that medium first. And uh, then I started venturing out and trying to figure out like acting in LA is is a lot about like uh, kind of throwing yourself into a lake and seeing if like where you float, if that makes any sense. And uh, trying to figure out like where, uh, like you throw yourself out into the market and you see like what kind of things that you kind of gravitate or things that what types of things gravitate towards you. Hmm. And that took a while for me to kind of figure out like what where's my footing, what do I feel comfortable with, stuff like that. Okay. So how how are you sort of breaking into the to the business there? Like the most important thing uh, that I think I could tell anybody is that the thing that the city really, really wants to know is like who who you are like who John who are you who are you as a person can we get to know who the real John Lane really is and that's what the city really needs to kind of get before the city really kind of understands what to do with you and that's why I sort of really started to get into a lot of the uh, like the self production producing my own stuff where uh, like I, I kind of understand like I I write parts for myself that I feel that are the most me that I can make. Yeah. Well, and it seems like other, other, uh, artists and, you know, writers, directors have been successful doing that, you know, uh, kind of writing their own thing, making their own thing happen rather than trying to, you know, fit into someone else's, um, world, yeah. you know? So. And, and there's a lot of, there's a lot of like legendary stories about this. Vin Diesel did a story. You can still see it up on uh, YouTube. It's, it's uh you'll see a bunch of clips from, it, but the thing you want to watch is 30 minutes long. It's called a multifacial and it's a uh, by Vin Diesel. He produced, directed, starred, edited, did all the music, he did everything. Oh, wow. uh, but it, it's a, uh, uh, he kept getting really typecast and uh, just things weren't, like the gears weren't quite quite lining up for him, and he did that, and Spielberg saw it and put him in Saving Private Ryan. Like it was, it, it was in the the video is absolutely amazing. Wow, I've not, I've not seen that. What's it? Would you say that again? What's it called? A uh, multifacial. Okay, by Vin Diesel. Vin Diesel. All right. What I hear is that like the hardest thing for doing your own work is like raising the money to make things happen. Yeah, I, I think like, uh, but if as long as you have like a camera, some good sound equipment, and like good friends that want to like do something, like you can always make something happen. You can all like you can always get together on a weekend and, and get something together. Yeah, I've, I've definitely like that's that's something else I wish uh, someone would have told me several years ago. And so, is that what you've kind of been doing? Is getting with people you know and and doing each other's projects and helping? Like, is that is that sort of what you've been up to? 
Yeah, that's a like for uh, like you always have like your passion projects and then you have like your uh, professional projects. And all my passion projects right now are like uh, meeting with friends, getting uh, like uh, uh, us getting together, having fun, uh, uh, doing stuff that we want to do together. And then, of course, like we're always out there, like also like, you know, we still go to auditions for like uh, uh, features and uh, for TV shows and stuff like that constantly. So it's uh, that's where all the juggling, uh, a lot of the juggling comes from. Well, uh, is there anything that um, maybe in the last couple of years that either you've uh, made for yourself, wrote for yourself, or directed or acted in, anything that it was a real uh, highlight for you in the last couple of years? Yeah, the the first thing I've ever uh, like produced, like I produced, directed, wrote, and did music for this one little, uh, it was a tiny little uh, piece. It was like a minute and a half sh- long short. But it was something that I uh, that we got together with no we had no idea what what we needed to do, but it needed to be submitted for a contest at, at midnight that night. We got together at at 3 p.m. and uh, we all of us together like wrote everything, uh, shot the whole thing. I edited it that night. I uh, composed all the music for it, and it was done within nine hours. And having like once I saw that it really gave me the confidence. Like I can get my friends together. We can do good, fun stuff. And what, what was that piece? Oh, is a agent stone, a feast of shadow. It's on my YouTube. Okay, cool. Cool. Check it out. Hi, everyone. Sorry to interrupt the show. I just wanted to drop in and ask that, uh, if you are listening on iTunes, Please do me a favor, go back and leave a rating or a review. It helps people find and follow the show. And uh, so what what are you working on now? What's what's happening now? We, uh, I, I've been writing and producing a bunch of these shorts, and I wanted to uh, start looking at something, uh, something bigger. And currently, uh, me and... Uh, uh, that group of friends that are all uh, that I've all been working on this stuff are writing a uh, are writing a feature length movie. We're contemplating on actually shooting on location back in our hometown, Stephenville. It's going to take place on a ranch, and uh, I we're considering on what that would look like to get uh, cast and crew and everything out there. Oh, okay. So I I read recently, maybe it was on Facebook or something, that you're soliciting scripts submissions from uh, from people from like residents in Stephenville. Yeah, I wanted to, because uh, I remember being back in in uh, in high school that I had a um, like I, ha- I had a lot of stories and a lot of things that I wanted to, like I wanted to get out like get like get out of me like in a story form or like a script form or just kind of anything. And I had no venue to really do that. And I woke up one morning. I'm like, what if like I could offer like uh, provide that some, something that I never had? Like uh, and so I came up with this idea, like what if I uh, like took in submissions from uh, people that were in Stephenville for scripts, something I could uh, look at and uh, look at shooting over here in Los Angeles. Fantastic. And so uh, you're getting those now or. Yeah, they are uh, due by midnight on uh, Saturday the fourth. Okay, so that'll be coming up, coming up really soon then. Yeah, just a, a few more days left. Yeah, great. 
well, I guess when this podcast drops, it'll probably be well after that date. I've got uh, a couple of shows in the queue ahead of you, so it might be a couple of weeks before this one drops. So that that date will already have passed. So I, I assume by the time this goes on that you'll be sort of reviewing and reading those submissions. Let's talk a little bit about, I'm sort of curious to know about like auditions in LA and, and, yeah. and that sort of process. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I think uh, um, it is significantly more different uh, than what I was anticipating when I came out here. So I did do film and theater back in, in, in Austin, but in Austin, you would go to audition and it was more talent based. Like uh, they, you, you audition until you find uh, good actors and then you kind of work the story and the uh, uh, and every like what you're looking for uh, uh, like the kind of the physical attributes of the uh, of the uh, of the piece to who whom you find I see but out here it's very much more about do you look what we're looking for because the talent is of of a caliber enough and there's so many people coming in if they need you to be six foot exactly six foot three weighing uh you know 120 pounds and uh be red hair with freckles like they'll just audition people until they find that and i find it actually a much less competitive than in austin because everyone is just here and they are who they are and they're very comfortable with that so the like that level of uh competition doesn't really doesn't really exist to the degree that i uh, experienced it back in austin and that was really very 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 interesting so, so describe like a, a typical audition, and and I'm I'm assuming you're you're talking about auditions for, like feature films, but also like television shows or even commercials. This type, any sort of uh, thing like that, or can you sort of describe the process for? Yeah, uh, like a uh, so there's multiple stages to like uh, to a uh, to being cast. So like you take a uh, commercial is a great uh, example. So you would go in uh, like they would I, I would submit or my agent would submit on uh, uh, some breakdowns. They would want to see me. I would go in and uh, uh, do a uh, do a reading, and you would go in in the uh, into the casting office, and they would usually bring you in to give you explanation. And you would go in the room. The explanation is something like. Hey everybody! Thanks for coming in. Uh, what you're going to do is you're you're going to slate your name here, and then you're going to stand off camera, and then when we say action, you're going to walk into the frame and do this action and say this and say your line, and then exit the frame. And then we go outside and we just come in one at a time and, and do that. That whole for, uh, first phase, they will usually bring in like 80 to 100, maybe 200 actors, and they'll start weeding that group down into uh, the callback group. And the callback group, when you get uh, do callbacks, like usually like the, the client is there for whoever, uh, like Kia or Ford or Craft uh, uh, or whoever it is. Okay. Um, and then they'll bring, uh, they'll bring you in there to just kind of redo the same thing again. But it's a much larger group of people you're working with. Then you get put on hold. Then the, uh, uh, the, there's several different phases before you actually in, actually end up on set. Wow. So, did anything in your? I'm just sort of curious. Did anything in your training, like in uh, in college, um, or anything to do with your sort of musical background or training? Did any of that really prepare you for this kind of work? Yeah, I think honestly, like being in the band was probably the best uh, business course into entertainment business in and of itself. 
uh, that was one thing that she did very, uh, that the my bandmate did extremely well is the business side of what it took to be a, uh, like an artistic endeavor that was looking to uh, be financially stable. Hmm. Um, she was absolutely brilliant at that, and I, I didn't realize I, like I couldn't see the things that she was doing. I, I knew that she was doing all this weird stuff, but I, I could not fathom why she was doing it. But I knew it, I saw that working, so I never really argued with her. Um, but then after I got here into Los Angeles, um, I started employing, uh, those, uh, those same sort of philosophies. And I saw like the instant, uh, uh, how, how well that they work in this kind of environment. So what, what kind of things exactly? There's no such thing as a no, like, Hey, can we play a show here? No, that's not really a no. It's a no, right, not right now. And then you, or, or, uh, you have to learn how to like sweeten the stakes for them. Okay, I know that we can't play a show here, but you don't have to pay us, and we'll uh, uh, and we promise to be able to bring in like thirty people. Oh, okay, like uh, the the negotiation uh, tactics that she employed with all the clubs. Hmm. And so you find those tactics to be uh, sort of crossover into the the acting work that you're doing now. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. So can you give an example of when that's sort of worked for you? And I was. Uh, in a running for uh, like I was doing some callbacks for a, for a short film and uh, they were just chatting with me and stuff like that. And they, they looked at my IMDb and saw that I was doing a bunch of stuff. They just kind of commented on that and I go, Oh yeah, well, you know, depending like if I usually, if I get cast, like I'll end up and I'll end up being like a PA or I'll run sound or like, I'm, I'm just kind of like a Jack of all trades on, on shoots and stuff like that. But I finished a callback and I left and I ended up getting the part. And then I, uh, when I went out on set, I was talking to a director and he mentioned like how surprised he was that an actor would be willing to just like kind of be like a, uh, a like I'll do anything that I, uh, that I can to help this production. And he really liked that a lot. And that's why he ended up casting me over the other guy. Yeah, that's really that's really interesting. I mean, um, so of, of all these sort of things you mentioned doing PA work, but then you've also uh, gotten plenty of acting gigs and even some uh, directing and writing gigs. Out of all of those kinds of things that you find yourself doing, is there any one thing that is like you feel like is your your real calling or your your voice? Like, are you definitely an actor, or do you definitely feel like maybe writing or directing is a thing? Or like, where is your where is your head at with with that stuff? A storyteller. Storyteller. Okay. And. I think that it could come in different forms. And that's why I think I would say that, like I see that as an actor or, and or director and or writer, either all those threes or one of those three in any production. Great. Well, uh, as I said to you, uh, I think maybe off the air, this, this podcast kind of came about as an exploration of various artistic disciplines. Uh, the idea of, you know, how all of these different artists, uh, where, where the commonalities might be, you know, uh, where, where one discipline sort of brushes up against another. I'm interested in, yeah. I'm very interested in that. I'm interested in it as a, as a creative person, you know, I mean, as a musician and, and composer, you know, I've worked a lot with, with poets. That's kind of been one of the things that I've, I've done a lot is composing music and setting poetry to that. But I've also worked with like visual artists and dancers and 
or choreographers, this type of thing. And I've always found that my work was always elevated in sort of combination with some other discipline. And you, you and I sort of uh, share that, but in 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 actuality, you you have done both. I mean, you've been uh, you've been doing the craft of acting and the and the craft of music, uh, both sort of professionally. And I've just been doing music, but sort of brushing up against these other things and being interested, but not really doing those other things. You know, uh, so so I'd be interested to know. Uh, we sort of talked about it a little bit earlier, but how how one artistic practice fed the other one you mentioned the business end of you know being in a band but i wonder about the craft of of performing you know as a performing musician versus being a performing actor and where those oh. two things sort of brush up against each other for you i think uh it's not really uh like them brushing up against each other like what i've seen with all my uh, all my uh, like truly creative friends is uh they have uh something inside them some story some vision some, something and it has to come out and it doesn't matter how it comes out it just has to come out like it, uh, sometimes it comes out in music sometimes it comes out in film or theater or some sort of medium like that sometimes it comes out in sculpture or painting or banging on pots like i saw an amazing musician like basically empty a like a bunch of pots and pans on, on the uh, ground and just started being a percussionist. And he was absolutely amazing. I think just people have story inside of them that has to be told. And uh, it doesn't matter. Like I'm of course, like more adept to be like acting or uh, like playing drums or something rather than being a painter. But like, I can still pick up, like, I feel like truly creative people can pick up any kind of medium and tell some sort of story with it. So it's like the muse, yeah. It's like the muse, right? <laughs> like the muse yes. that that. I don't think like uh, I don't feel like I, I'm really in a whole lot of control over what that story is. I, I just feel like I have to just kind of go with the, with whatever the flow that it's trying to, uh, uh, with whatever it's trying to tell me. And I see like a lot of strength in, in collaboration. So uh, working with, like I see the best kind of works come out of like like when multiple artists get together. And, and have that true collaboration, like this amazing story comes out of that. Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. It makes sense. Well, um, let's talk about uh, another thing that you've you've written about it, even maybe even recently on your blog, which we should say, by the way, how can people find you on, on the web? Uh, what can you want to give your uh, websites and various places yeah, if you go to a, a, my main website is pjevans.net and my blog is also a reference on there is a blog.pjevans.net great and um you've written some really nice uh, entries there I, I read them from time to time and one of the things that i want you to talk about a, a little bit because i think it'll be interesting to sort of a broad scope of people is how to live and sustain a creative life uh, how you've managed to do it all, all of these years, being a touring musician and a, and a working actor. How, how do you approach this idea? It's a lot more simple than, than uh, I think a lot of people are, are uh, uh, hoping it's a lot more complicated than what it really is. I don't have any fear that I'm going to fail. And so like whenever any kind of inspiration hits or, or like any kind of opportunity opens, like or like this move to Los Angeles, whom I didn't know anyone coming out here, uh, who who I I didn't know any I didn't know previously that I 
uh, thought I was going to know anyone uh, when I came out here. I just came out here. I just don't have any fear in in that regard. And so I'm always willing to throw caution away and just go forward. And because I think that people uh, take a, uh, for granted for how malleable they are and how adjustable they are and how they can uh, how people are really really good at uh, like whenever trouble strikes, being able to move with the uh, roll with the punches and figure like figure tough situations out. Because if you just live like a, a totally safe life, if I would have just lived a totally safe life, I don't know, I would definitely not be where I am here. Having uh, uh, like having a, uh, I've loved my life thus far. I've had amazing adventures, and I wouldn't have changed anything for the world. And if I lived nothing but a safe life, I wouldn't have had that. Well, it takes a, it takes bravery to do that, you know, but it also takes conviction, and I think that's yeah. maybe what you're what you're talking about there, uh, or what I hear. I hear the conviction of, uh, you know, you, you're you just going for it. And that's that's a really wonderful thing for all creative folks to, to hear and to think about and to sort of reflect on, you know. I think a lot of times we, uh, as creative people, just sort of generally speaking, uh, or at least I can say for myself, there's, there's sort of the story of who I am, you know, and what I do and what I can do or can't do. And uh, there's really, it's really inspiring to hear someone who says, I have no fear. I, it's going to work out, you know, whatever it is, just go for it. And that's, that's a real inspiration, I think, because I, I think a lot of times people can get caught up in maybe who, who they are or, you know, I, I've often said, I'm not sure I could do anything else except what, I, you know, be a percussionist well, and a, you know, a musician. I'm not sure I could, I think I could, to- but, but I'm not sure, you know. It, you have to really look at like uh, how uh, uh, people just give up too easily. Like uh, 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 you look at some of the most famous people we had in our entire culture. Like Oprah Winfrey was told that she is unfit for television. Walt Disney was told he had no uh, original ideas. Elvis was told that he's better off driving trucks. But they don't give up. Like they don't. They they know that they know like they know like they know like they know that they're storytellers and they have something that they have to get out. And they didn't allow those people to, to stop them. You, you only fail when you stop. Yeah. And if you don't stop, you never fail. Beautiful, PJ. That's really great advice. Fantastic. Well, PJ, I wish you the very best of luck on all your endeavors, and uh, please keep in touch. Thank you so much for having me on. I really, really appreciate it. And with that, we conclude this episode of Standing in the Stream, Conversations with Creatives. Again, I'm your host, John Lane. You can follow me on Twitter, at ThatJohnLane. You can find the show links and show notes on my website, john-lane.com, and follow the show on Facebook. Simply search for Standing in the Stream. Thanks to Danny Clay for our theme music. You can find him online at dclaymusic.com. I'll be back next time for more conversations with creatives. Thanks for listening.